Hi everyone, welcome back to the Colorful Plates podcast. I hope you all are having a great week so far. Today's podcast is our Thursday Chef Feature podcast, and today's chef is Chef Roberto Santibanez. Chef Roberto speaks about his journey to becoming a chef, his heritage, and how he elevates ingredients and stays inspired in the kitchen. Let's check it out. So just to start off, Chef, can you tell me a little bit um, about what inspired you to become a chef? I got this uh, little bug since I was a very young kid. Uh, strangely enough, and, and I don't know how many of us are there like this, but um, I never wanted to do anything else. Um, even when I left college, my parents asked me, are you sure? Um, <laughs> because I grew up in a household where, you know, very, very typical Mexican household. Uh, my okay. grandmother and my aunts uh, lived to cook. That was yeah. their, their life task. I mean, morning, afternoons, and evenings, we, uh, we spend in the kitchen because my grandma had a big kitchen with a table in the middle. And I basically grew up there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's and great. Think, and I think that, uh, I mean, when I was, I don't know, you know, probably eight years old, I was cooking for my sister. Like, I would wake up first and make breakfast. Um, I, I always had it. I always, always had it in me. Um, I think it was because of that, you know, like just growing up and, and, and constantly being in that kitchen, um, with all these people cooking around me. And I thought it was like what I wanted to do forever, you know? Totally. Then of course, when I was in, I mean, I'm not a young chicken. So in those days, (laughs) In my country, nobody really did that, you know? Nobody sure. really went to culinary school. It was like, actually, when I told my, my father, he was like, I don't, I don't know. You know, that doesn't right. seem like a career. Um, <laughs> <laughs> until he had to go research. Um, and then he You showed him. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, so, I, unfortunately, I'm... Unlike others, I just don't have a moment that inspired me. I, yeah. I, I just, I've done this, like, that's all I've done. Right. It, it's just been your life from the beginning, sounds like. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's yeah. really great, though. It's just and, such a passion. And my grandma was almost like bordering on professional. You know, she had like pantry full of molds and gadgets and she would buy anything that wow. came out. And um, because she loved it. She also loved it. Um, so she taught me a lot of things, you know, and more when I told her that that's what I wanted to do and I was going to go to school, she started teaching me all these things. Yeah, no, I'm sure yeah. she wanted to, yeah, show you um, tricks. Yeah, that's so and cool. It was it was so beneficial, you know. It was so incredible that uh, that I that I uh, grew up with them, and and I am very thankful for life for having given me that opportunity, you know. Yeah. Now, are some of are some of your recipes and just menu ideas, did they stem from recipes from your family, from your grandma? Yeah, I think, you know, I, I always go, go back, you know, to, to, to the basics and to the historical memories that I have. Um, when I go to create something, I always think of like all these things, you know, that sometimes people ask me, like, why are you thinking that, you know? Um, but like, you know, like I don't like salmon, even I was born and raised in Mexico. We don't have salmon. 
Yeah. Right? Um, salmon is not native. Um, so actually, none of, none of our cuisine was developed around salmon or having yeah. salmon. Right? So right. nothing, nothing that I like Mexican tastes good with salmon. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Right. I, I, it's, 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 it's almost like not right, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, one of the things is, okay, I have to have salmon in our menus. We now have four restaurants going into five and I need to, you know, do something. So I, I go to, to, you know, to more like the basics of, okay, it needs something like tart and sweet. And then this is what I'm going to do, you know? Sure. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit, you know, on our podcast, we talk about sort of the complexities of sourcing good, fresh produce. Um, can you sort of share your approach to working with fresh produce suppliers and how you do that? Sure. Well, we, uh, we, we do buy a lot of fresh produce because, uh, you know, particularly in, in our Mexican restaurants, uh, most of our sauce making is, uh, you know, based on tomatoes and tomatillos and chiles. So for us, it, it does pose a, a tremendous challenge because we depend uh, either on imports or on the seasons in, you know, Florida or Texas that can produce tomatillos and jalapenos and serrano peppers <laughs> and right. all these things, you know, California too. Um, so those, those are the main challenges for us. Um, and particularly when, when really getting into cooking, you know, like when you get this case of tomatoes in February, <laughs> but you have to, right. because you have to make this tomato sauce and it's like, Oh my God, I mean, I wish I could 86 tomato sauce. Right. Right. Um, but you can't because you own a Mexican restaurant. <laughs> yeah. No, are, you need it. People are not going to understand it. <laughs> right. So it's really what, crazy. What do you do then? I mean, do you just, uh, based on the season, you switch um, suppliers? Yeah. Right. And we try to look for the one that has the best tomatoes, that can give us the best price. Um, we also make a deal with them because we buy so much so that sure. they can buy them ahead of time. So they at least ripe and, and they don't. We don't have to have 80 cases of tomatoes here in the house, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to put them anywhere. But if, the, if, sure. if, the, if they work with you, they have larger spaces, so they can certainly help you ripen your tomatoes before they get to you, right? Because that's, that's basically the problem. Um, yeah. They caught tomatoes far too early so that they take the traveling, um, and then they don't get ripe because they just put them in refrigerators and, uh, and then they send them to us. We also do that with our avocados. You know, our purveyors work really closely with us uh, in that because I need those avocados ready to go today, you know? Right, right. I, I, can't, I can't be, you know, managing them. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> and so they can't be they, hard. <laughs> they help us manage that and then they send us only ripe avocados. And yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a problem. It's a problem because it's always, there's always something, right? Right. Totally. Too many, too many humans involved. Mm, for sure. <laughs> what do you, what do you look for when you're picking um, a produce supplier? Well, in, in, in our operations, one very important thing is consistency, right? Um, 
We have a lot of very particular items like cilantro, you know. Um, mm-hmm. We have to use the same size cilantro bunch because we have a system, for example. So, you know, consistency for us is the most important thing. So once, once we choose with our purveyor, okay, this is the cilantro spec that I need, um, it's only when there is really an emergency and you have to call me first, you know, um, mm-hmm. I need to get this cilantro because there is a whole system to wash cilantro and keep it clean and, and then right. chop it for us, you know? Wow. It's, <laughs> it gets yeah, it's complicated. complicated. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, what fruits or vegetables are you currently just enjoying working with? But right now, they, um, they brought us from a little bit further south, some peaches. Mm. Oh, I love peaches. Those I, are, yeah, tasty. I, I really love peaches. There's a farmer here um, that has uh, another friend farmer that, that sent him some peaches, and we're, we're loving them. We're, we're, we're doing um, desserts. We did a tart the other day. We cut them up. We put them with Tres Leches cake. We made Yum. a coconut tres leches and we added just diced peaches on it. It was so good. Oh, um, I bet. Yeah, cherries are also coming up from further south a little bit and they're good, you know. Um, yeah, what, do you, what now, do you use the cherries in? Well, we, uh, we use them as, as fruit in, the, in desserts. Mm-hmm. Um, but we also make a little salsa um, that we do with cherries. Yum. So we pit the cherries and then we roast them and we crush them like if they were tomatoes um, with roasted jalapenos and uh, a little bit of onion and garlic and a little lime juice and a little salt and they're delicious. Oh, I bet. That sounds super tasty. Yeah, um, it's super nice. Yeah. Any any vegetables that you're enjoying working with? Well, right now we have... Uh, we have also we, we we're getting like squash blossoms now that in DC, um, in New York they're still really expensive. Mm-hmm, <laughs> but in DC, yeah. um, we're getting the squash blossoms, which I love to use in things, and we're getting, of course, the typical and ubiquitous asparagus. You know, um, yeah, they're here, and I, and I love asparagus too. So, um, yeah, I love also the um, squashes, like like. Uh, zucchinis and and patty squashes and things that I, I really enjoy um, having and, and working with. Yeah, what do you do with the squashes? Well, you know, uh, I, I, I like them in both ways. I like them in sweet, like if you mm, cook pumpkin yeah. in, in a piloncillo syrup and then serve it with whipped cream, that's delicious. Um, mm, yeah. but I also like them in the savory thing. Like we make a mash with the squash, uh, like butternut squash. Um, we also roast the butternut squashes or the, um, other squashes and we, um, we make a paste out of the pumpkin seeds. Wow. With, uh, with chilies and we serve it with that. It's really delicious. So That's unique. Within, that like, sounds great. Like you keep, you keep it in the family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. pumpkin seeds and then squash and it's delicious very, very smart now what's what's your process for you know creating recipes creating menu items 
I think, you know, of course, uh, you, you, we live, I think, continuously in a creative process, right? We, we right. cooks and chefs, we're, you're constantly receiving ideas and, and transform them in your brain to other ideas and to mm-hmm. that. But, um, but once we set, you know, like a plan, right? Um, like let's change this for the summer. Um, we, I, I sort of like to be pretty systematic in, 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 in what we're going to do. So, you know, like mm-hmm. we needed a new, um, let's say a new chocolate cake for the summer because the other one was too serious, very wintry, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we make a plan and we propose like three great recipes for the cake part, right? And three great right. recipes for the filling part and for the topping. And, mm. and then we, one day we come and play with all those three. So our prep book really early, the prep, the, the, the pastry prep, and she makes the three cakes, the three fillings, the, everything. And then we wow. come and play with that in the kitchen and see what works best with what. Wow. That's a really smart process. <laughs> very strategic. <laughs> strategic. Yeah. yeah. It is. <laughs> it is. Um and then, you know, I mean, we have um, you know, chefs listening who are younger and really just learning um at this point in their career. What advice would you give them to just stay motivated and creative? I think you well, first you really need to realize that that you really love what you're doing, right? That, that, that this is what you chose uh, to do in your life. And, mm-hmm. and you're almost like trapped by it. You know, sometimes <laughs> this, <laughs> this, this, this business is so heavy, right? It's mm-hmm. so demanding, physically demanding, right? Um, right? That you also have to be smart and think that, you know, at one point or another, you're not going to be able to stand in a kitchen forever, you know, right. You, you, you need to start thinking that, uh, at one point or another, you, you're going to have to find a way to develop great people after you work with great people. Once you, once you've reached the level of being like the chef of the kitchen, you know, um, definitely like mentor, mentoring the younger people to then they'll follow you and they'll They'll let you sit down once you, <laughs> once your feet become really tired and they'll work and they'll bring you and you'll tweak it, but you, but you, but you won't be, and it, and it, and it will happen. You know, you just have to develop people that are coming, um, behind you, right. And, and, and make sure you, you're going to have some support in the future. Um, and that's, that, yeah. that to me is also, also very exciting because that, that also forces you to focus on on your sous chef, you know, and say like, "Oh, that guy has some potential, right? I'm gonna really work with him, and uh, I'm gonna make mm-hmm. him a great a great cook and a great chef," you know. Um, and that has that, that's always uh, my idea, but but also you yeah. know, just uh, finding finding love in, in everything you do, and mm-hmm. uh, and not don't give. Um, don't sacrifice um, volume for quality, right? It's very typical when young chefs start working in, in large restaurants. They get taken by, oh my God, it's so busy. We have so much volume. And then, so I had to let that go. And it's like, no, you should never let it go. 
yeah. that dish, that dish should have never left the kitchen, volume or not. <laughs> yeah, know? that's great and, advice. And uh, and you have to continue to push. You know, yes, mm-hmm. it stopped the kitchen. We created a ten minute delay somewhere, but the dish came out perfectly fine. You know, right, um, right. And and we communicate with the managers. Then the managers go to the next table and say, "I'm terribly sorry, your food's taking a few minutes more." But you know, promise is going to come out really nice. You know, yeah, it's going to taste better. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> right. So um, now, I think that's 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 something that I've lately experienced uh, more than ever before uh, with my restaurant in, in in Washington. Yeah, that's very that's a great advice for young people to hear. Um, now. My last question for you is, you know, you're, you're a very accomplished chef. You have an impressive resume. What, what have you just been the most proud of in your career so far? What makes me the more proud? Um, <laughs> I think an example is um, yesterday I was cooking for a tasting we had for our new restaurant, which will open in November. Mm. Um, and it's an American grill. Right. And it's it's no longer a Mexican restaurant where my comfort zone has been for many years. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm taking everything now again back to European cooking, which I was trained in Paris. So uh, to me, comes very natural. And I love European cooking, too. Um, cool. Yeah. So um, so I was working and I made three sauces. I made a bordelaise um, and I made a... Um, uh, peppercorn sauce, mm, uh, poivre, with uh, two different kinds of peppercorns, and uh, and we were sitting tasting this food afterwards. And I took the sauces and I put a spoon on my plate and I smear it, you know, just to see the translucency, to check on everything. And Jason told me, like, "What are you doing?" And I said, "I I think I'm very proud. I think I'm very <laughs> proud." <You know? laughs> I'm very proud. These sauces are really beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> they yeah. taste great, but also look at them. I said, they're so beautiful. Right. And, and, and they caught the light nicely and they had a sheen to them. And they, so everything, and, and that makes me really, really proud. You know, when I sit down right. and I see something and I, and you know, when you have done something that is really great, you know, you just know it. And, and, and yeah. it makes you feel really, really proud. It's interesting to me to hear how the chefs that we interview got into the culinary world and what motivates them. There seems to be a common thread of being exposed to culinary at a pivotal time in their life, whether it be in childhood or an experience in the kitchen during their college career, sparking that passion to move forward in culinary. I want to thank Chef Roberto for taking the time to speak with us. I really enjoyed getting to hear how you use fun ingredients in interesting ways. And thank you all for listening. Be sure to tune in Monday to hear the latest market reports, what's going on with berries, and from a new chef on the block in the Birmingham, Alabama food scene. Until then, have a great rest of your week, and as always, stay fresh.